Welcome to the Ship Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, December 20th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. So can you believe we're just five days away from Christmas and less than two weeks from the end of the year? Crazy, right? This is the next to last Friday Gold Wrap of 2019. So this past week was pretty eventful, at least in the political realm, but it really didn't do anything to break gold out of the relatively narrow range it's been trading in for the last several weeks. We've seen gold bounce around between 1450 and 1480 an ounce, and there doesn't seem to be much impetus for the yellow metal to break out of that range. Now, the biggest news, of course, this week was that the House impeached Donald Trump. Abuse of power and obstruction of Congress were the two primary charges. Now, Trump is only the third president in history to be impeached. Andrew Johnson and Bill Clinton were the other two. Neither of them was ultimately removed from office by the Senate, and it's almost certain Trump won't be either. Gold got a little bit of a bounce when impeachment was announced, and we're currently right at about $14.80 per ounce as I record this podcast, so we're at the top end of that range, and we're on track for a weekly gain. But, you know, everybody knows that this whole impeachment thing is form over substance. It's political theater, and it's not going to really have any practical effect on, well, anything. So I think that's why markets are largely ignoring the news. I really can't say a whole lot more than that about impeachment because, quite honestly, I haven't followed the process. I don't delve into politics a lot on this show, but I do want to say something about this real quick. We need to pay attention to all of the things that they don't want us to pay attention to. All of this political bluster is window dressing. While they're pretending to fight and yelling at each other across the room, Republicans and Democrats were getting together behind the scenes to steal your liberty and siphon away your wealth. While the media was fixated on the impeachment circus, Congress managed to get together and reauthorize provisions of the Patriot Act so the federal government can continue spying on everybody without a warrant, passed a Defense Authorization Act that maintained provisions that give the federal government the authority to arrest and detain American citizens indefinitely with no due process, and agreed to strip a proposal out of that NDAA bill that would have made it just slightly more difficult for the president to send Americans off to war at his whim. And it hammered out a budget agreement that spends $1.4 trillion that the government doesn't have. Meanwhile, the Washington Post released documents that reveal the U.S. government has lied to us for nearly two decades about the war in Afghanistan. All of that barely got a shrug. So again, pay attention to the things that they don't want you to pay attention to. And so ends my little sojourn into political opinion for this week. Of course, the other big news has been the trade deal. I talked about it some last week when it broke. I've really avoided the whole trade deal thing for, gosh, what, like two months now? Because It just seems like such a nothing burger, but since it's probably the biggest potential driver of the markets right now, I guess I need to touch on a few things. We still don't have all of the details about this so-called phase one deal. From what we know, it appears to be rather limited in scope. The U.S. has offered to suspend some tariffs on Chinese goods and cut others up to 50%. In exchange, China will buy more American farm goods and open up the country to U.S. financial firms. I think Peter summed this up pretty good in a podcast this week. He said it's not really a trade deal. It's more of a trade truce. I mean, you certainly can't say America won anything. I'm not even certain we're back to the pre-trade war status quo. So after what, almost two years of trade warring, we might be almost back to square one? 
Now, this hasn't stopped the administration from talking about this in glowing terms. One thing this White House is really good at is hyperbole. This, of course, is a historic deal. It's amazing. The truth is, it's just a setup for the next round of negotiations. And there seems to be some discrepancy about how all of this is going to play out. Trump is saying that negotiations for phase two are going to start immediately. The Chinese appear a little more tentative. Now, I have no clue how it's going to play out. One thing I am pretty certain of, though, is that we're going to get a lot more talking the markets up and down with progress slash no progress on the trade war. Honestly, I'm about as cynical as Peter, who said a phase one deal is simply something the president can claim credit for instead of having to admit nothing's really been accomplished. I think what we really need to focus our attention is on the Fed. I've talked about this over and over on the podcast. It's monetary policy that is ultimately driving the markets. It's a great big fat ugly bubble to steal a phrase from a former presidential candidate. The central bankers are still pumping air into the bubble. How long can that last? Really, that's the big question. That's what we need to focus on. I mentioned the $1.4 trillion in spending that Congress cobbled together while we were mesmerized by the impeachment witch hunt. The Senate passed these spending bills yesterday and sent them on to Trump, who will ink his signature on them. That's going to avoid the dreaded government shutdown. Honestly, I think that's kind of a shame because, you know, when the government's shut down, it's not screwing us over. Regardless, this spending bill is yet another example of government malfeasance, bipartisan government malfeasance. There's been exactly zero effort to rein in spending. You know, during the campaign, Trump said he could pay down the national debt, quote, pretty quickly. Instead, the national debt is up over $2 trillion since Trump took office, and these spending bills are just going to accelerate the process. Keep in mind, fiscal 2019 ended September 30th with the biggest budget deficit in seven years. That shortfall came just a hair under $1 trillion, and we're already on track to top that in fiscal 2020. The budget deficit is already 12% bigger than it was this time last year, just two months in, and it's hurtling toward that $1 trillion mark. We've only had trillion-dollar deficits four times ever in the history of America. All of those were in the aftermath of the Great Recession. So basically, the federal government is currently spending money as if we were in the throes of a major economic crisis. Our good friends at the Fed make all of this possible by holding interest rates artificially low and monetizing the debt through quantitative easing. It's all a big house of cards, and it's all going to collapse sooner or later. The politicians will sweep in to rescue us, of course. I've heard this analogy before, and it's perfect. These people are like arsonists who come in to rescue us by putting out the fire. Whenever politicians tell you that they're going to fix something, you can be almost certain that they broke it in the first place. The government blew up the housing bubble that burst in 2007 and led to the 08 crisis. Instead of engaging in a little self-reflection and learning some hard lessons, the politicos blamed capitalism and then did the exact same thing again, but even bigger. Peter posted a video of a roundtable discussion after the premiere of a movie called The Bubble that features people like Peter, who predicted the 2008 crash before it happened. Fox Business's Liz Clayman moderated that panel discussion, and she put it perfectly. She said, quote, we've rebuilt an entire system instead of fixing the cracked foundation. You should definitely check out that roundtable discussion. It features Peter along with Gene Epstein, Jim Grant, David Tice, and Tom Woods. I'll link to it on the show notes page. But yeah, government breaks shit and then tries to fix it. As a result, they usually end up breaking it worse. 
The student loan debacle is another perfect example. Here's a crazy little factoid for you. Even as student loan debt soars in the United States, college enrollment is actually falling. The post-secondary student headcount during the fall semester, and that includes both graduate and undergraduate students, dropped 1.3% year-on-year. The drop of enrollment between 2018 and 2019 continues a trend we've seen since enrollment peak in 2011. It's dropped 10.8% over that time period. So in a nutshell, we have fewer students borrowing more money to finance their educations. So why is college enrollment dropping? I mean, weren't these government programs supposed to make it so everybody can go to college? Well, it's too darn expensive. I mean, even with the easy availability of student loan money, I think a lot of kids are looking at this and saying, you know, maybe I don't want to spend the rest of my life paying off this massive debt. The widespread availability of student loans was pushed by the government, and it was supposed to make it possible for everybody to go to college. But instead, they made it more and more expensive and then saddled an entire generation with over $1 trillion in debt. Yes, you heard that right. Outstanding student loan debt is currently at $1.64 trillion. And economists have determined that, yes, there is a strong correlation between the availability of student loans and the cost of a college education. In fact, the increase in demand, or demand shock, as economists called it, created by these student loan programs accounted for almost all of the increased tuition since like 2011. If you strip away these demand shocks, tuition would only be up about 16% in that time period. That's less than the 2% annual inflation rate that the Fed tells us is good for us. So now the politicians are going to come in and they're going to fix the student loan problem that they created. I'm sure that's going to work out great. Now, Schiffgold recently released a completely revised and updated report on the student loan crisis that gets into all of the gory details. The report is subtitled Gambling with Your Future because you, my fellow taxpayer, are on the hook for all of this student loan debt. I'll link to the report in the show notes page. You know, the student loan mess is just one card in the giant house of cards I mentioned earlier, and it is going to fall down. Be prepared. Call a Shift Gold Precious Metal Specialist today at 1-888-GOLD-160. They can help you protect your wealth whenever that eventually happens. Well, that is a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more, and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shiftgold.com news. And if you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap over at iTunes or on the Shift Gold YouTube channel. You'll find links for both on the show notes page along with articles I've mentioned during the show and that student loan report. I'll also link to my latest It's Your Dime interview with economist Edward Stringham. Plan on ramping up the interviews in the upcoming year. I hope you all have a great holiday, however you may celebrate it. And I'll talk to you again next week. Have a great weekend.